Good crush the defense by Milwaukee now. Durant fires and hits! With the shot clock running down, he hits from downtown. Four-point lead for the Nets. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Download the free Odyssey app today to watch, listen, and subscribe to the BetQL Daily Podcast. It's Joe Ostrowski and Chris Ranji with you. And, oh, I'd say there's a few stories going on in the NBA, Ranji. Just a few things we can discuss with Brian Scalabrini, NBA champ, uh, turned Odyssey NBA insider. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Scalabrini. Like, the NBA, man, the association, they won't even let us wax poetic about right. Kevin Durant and everything that happened last night, Brian. We wake up today like, oh, by the way, Kawhi's not playing tonight. He uh, His uh, future is in doubt for the rest of this series, and the, the Suns have their spot locked up in the next round, but uh, now Chris Paul's in COVID protocol. Yeah, so I will remember a, a performance of the ages. It was one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen. Go, let's forget two years ago, this guy was, he was basically uh, popped his Achilles tendon. And now he's the best player in the world. I will remember that, but yeah, like the NBA <laughs> definitely got rocked a little bit. Now, no one, no one knows unless you guys know more information than I do. Is Chris Paul in 14 day protocol or there's some things to discuss whether he's going to end up having a couple days, 14 days, 10 days. I don't think anybody knows at this point. They are still saying indefinitely. So it could just be that one game. If it were to happen on Sunday or to happen on Tuesday or whatever, it could be that. could be longer. We don't really know yet. But it affects a lot, obviously, if he's not able to play in those first uh, you know, couple of games. Big time. I mean, he's an engine that makes this thing go. But he's empowered the rest of the guys. You have to think they're rooting for a game seven. If there's just one day off in between, you have to assume that those teams are going to be sort of exhausted. So if I'm Phoenix, I'm thinking, like, obviously, if it's 14 days, you're in trouble. But if it's shorter than that and he just misses a game or two, Phoenix has to be thinking in their mind they have to steal one of those two games if they can. And uh, we'll see. I mean, this is I, I think injuries have been the name of the game here in the playoffs with, you know, uh, Conley for the Jazz out. Now, Kawhi Leonard is going to be out. You have... Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, Rob Williams, uh, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, all these guys have missed games in the playoffs. I don't ever remember an NBA playoffs where injuries have dictated the outcome as much as it had this year. Yeah, and that's why every team still alive, you still have a chance, man. <laughs> it is still so wide open, and it is, it's been a lot of fun, but that's the downside. Maybe we'll be in a position where it's uh, the, at the end of the year, the best season will not be the champion. But it's just been uh, about survival, having your players available. Uh, I understand why people want to get mad at Coach Bud with the Bucks, and they're mad at Milwaukee. And uh, oh, you blew it again! You're up by 16, middle of the third quarter, and you can't even close them out. Harden can barely move, and he's out there all night, and you still can't pull out the victory. But I, I made the case that it it was such a miraculous performance by Durant. And all those shots he was making in the second half, Scal, contested. It's not like he was wide open and it was a defensive issue. And Giannis talked about uh, possibly double teaming him more for the remainder of the series. But do you put more blame on the Bucs or you just, just put your hands up and say, listen, nobody in the world was going to stop Kevin Durant last night? No, I, I put it on the Bucs. I mean, I don't, I don't, I've, I've been saying this after game one. 
that Brooke Lopez can't play in this series. And I know if, if, if Brooke Lopez was a monster on the offensive end and he killed him on the offensive glass and he really put, put he got you in a, an awkward scenario, but the fact that they go at him every single time, Kevin Durant got going because they went at Brooke Lopez every single time on offense. And then he doesn't give you anything on the other end. And I'm not, I'm not knocking Brooke Lopez. I think he's phenomenal. I, I, I touted him all year long. I've talked about how great he is defending the restricted area. This, when you have Kevin Durant, and even when Kyrie Irving was playing, and these guys are, are mid-range assassins, like Brooke Lopez becomes uh, like inefficient when he's out there. So I like him without him. And I know he was like a plus two. But the issue is when you have to look at the game, the reason Kevin Durant got going is because he made six straight plays on Brooke Lopez. No one in the world, once Kevin Durant has it going and is feeling good, can stop him at that point. So I understand it's a, it's a performance for the ages, but sometimes with these performances for the ages, you got to look at the origin. And that's why coaches, they, they, they coach every possession and every possession matters. You let a player like that get going, and all of a sudden now you have a problem the rest of the game. And I thought that, I thought Lopez had was a big part of it. I thought the Bucks' offense, which I thought in the first half they really moved the ball. This is what I thought I was going to see throughout this series: is Giannis being poised, Giannis not, uh, you know, overreacting the thing, getting the ball to Drew Holiday, moving the ball, three three man side action on one side with Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis. I'm not seeing any of that. And I thought Giannis had a good game. I didn't think he was great in the fourth quarter or down the stretch, but he was good throughout the game. I thought they wasted a great performance by a guy like Pat Connaughton. So I'm down. I'm down on the buck, and I'm kind of down on Mike Budenholzer, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, my assessment of, of the situation is if, uh, you, know, you know, Durant would, would have to do that again, and you'd have to get the contribution from Jeff Green or somebody else again, and that is provided James Harden is exactly in the next game as he was last night, and I'm talking about in terms of health. And you look at the line for tomorrow, it's, you know, the Bucks are a five and a half point favorite. Does that seem right to you? Does it, does it, it, it seem like Milwaukee still should be favored by that much, despite what happened last night? Uh, yeah, I, I think Milwaukee, I said, here's why. I don't think Kevin Durant, I know, here's why I know. Kevin Durant's not playing 48 minutes, so he is going to come out in the first half. And then, so now you go with your scenario. What did the Nets look like without Kyrie Irving, a fraction of James Harden, a shell of himself, and no Kevin Durant on the floor? So they're not they're not going to run him into the ground again. But if they do, and the Bucks do win this game because they're at home, then he'll be toast for Game Seven. The human body is not supposed to be able to do that. Not not play forty eight minutes for three straight games. Even the great Michael Jordan, who played all the time, he was playing like 41, 42, 43 minutes in, in some of these playoff games. So. I do think I do think there'll be a wear and tear on Durant that that will be insurmountable if they don't get him some rest. So I do think the Bucks should be favored, and I do think the Bucks will win Game Six. This is BetQL Daily. Our guest Brian Scalabrini, Odyssey NBA Insider. Follow him on Twitter at Scalabrini. Tonight uh, we find out this morning that Kawhi Leonard not available for the Clippers. There he's tied at two. It moves over to Utah, and the point spread goes from three to seven jazz now favored by seven the total is at 220 and a half how do you view this matchup tonight i think the jazz blow them out i think the jazz learn from their mistakes i think the clippers are i don't want to say mentally 
soft. I'm not going to call them mentally soft, but I, I can see the Clippers kind of checking out of this one and saying, you know what, like they're not the type of team where I look at and I go, these guys are waking up and chomping at the bit to have an opportunity to win a game without Kawhi Leonard. I think these guys are going to, I think they're going to lose. I think the Jazz are going to end up uh, like running away with this. So I don't know about the over under. I'm awful. I'm actually completely awful at picking over unders. <laughs> but uh, I do think the Jazz are going to win and win handily. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, for the 76ers and uh, the Hawks, that series tied as well. And and the spread is exactly the same. Uh, the uh, the spread is seven. Philly is favored in this one. Does that seem about right to you? So, yeah, here's here's – I think Atlanta figured out the 76ers, which is – so Atlanta played – do you remember back to the Knicks series? They walked the ball up the floor – and, and it worked against the Knicks. Like, they, they, they won the pace game. They controlled the pace. But I think in this game, uh, I mean, the last game they played, I thought they just, like, they, they went driving kick. And, and Trey Young stopped waiting for the defense to set up. And he stopped driving to try to make the play, which what I mean by that is make the floater or make the alley-oop pass or the dump off. He was like, I'm just going to get to the paint. I'm going to make a play instead of the play. And that, when he started doing that, he ended up having 18 assists, only two turnovers. And I think they found a little bit of a formula there. I'm, I'm not as comfortable about Philly getting over the hump and, and, and winning the, by more than seven. I can see how this can – like Atlanta can easily keep this close. And these guys are confident. Um, but I do think Philly's going to win. And you know how these games go, right? You, you win, you – you, you end up getting fouled, and you know this thing gets stretched to nine, but also that could be a four-point game. So I, I don't love that number for the Sixers, but I do think the Sixers are going to win. Yeah, six is a lot. Uh, as far as these series prices, uh, do you think any of these underdogs have a decent shot at winning the series? Atlanta, Milwaukee, and now the L.A. Clippers are all of a sudden um, big, big underdogs. It's like plus 228 uh, with Kawhi's future in doubt. Uh, I don't. I don't think Atlanta will win. Um, the Clippers is an interesting one because I. I think Kawhi Leonard could sit out of six and end up going in. And, I'm sorry, sit out of five, play six, and and win seven. Like Kawhi Leonard is, is phenomenal. I, I. It's it's because he's not an outspoken guy. Like sometimes his his unbelievable playoff performances get lost in how good he is on both sides of the ball. So I do like the Clippers and. Um, right now, I actually I'm sitting with money on the Bucks, and I I think if this thing goes to Game Seven, I'd probably be hedging just because I just don't trust them. But uh, once again, it goes back to how many minutes Durant plays today. How I mean tomorrow? How does Harden look? And if Kyrie coming back, if, if Harden still looks bad in Game Six, if Durant plays 45, 46 minutes, I might like the Bucks in that situation. But as of right now. You know, it's hard to bet against the best player in the world. That's usually how the NBA Finals or the NBA usually shakes out with the best player winning the trophy. You know, we mentioned all the news that broke today involving Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, uh, not going to be available, at least for a little bit. There's also other news. There's coaching news. Uh, Stan Van Gundy is out in New Orleans, and Scott Brooks is out in Washington. What are your thoughts on both of those? I'm surprised about the Sam Van Gundy one. If, if, you know, like if they're complaining, if the players are complaining about Sam Van Gundy and, and saying that, you know, like, um, like he doesn't relate to the young player, you, you, you should have known that to begin with. And I'm not saying he doesn't relate, but if you want your coach to be like a player's coach and, and, and not yell at the guys, then you're not going to hire Sam Van Gundy. So 
surprised by that. The Scott Brooks one, you know, like I, I felt like at the end of the year he deserved to keep his job, but you know, like sometimes people think that the shakeup is all that you can do to sell your season ticket holders that you're going to be good the following year. So I can, I, I can understand that one as well, but uh, I thought, I thought, you know, I think it's getting increasingly more difficult for guys to coach this generation of players. And if it doesn't work out, everyone points the finger at the coach and no one points the finger at, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram taking terrible shots or not being able to get downhill when he needs to, or get to the free throw line or get stops when they need him. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not one to sit here and blame all the coaches, especially when I think the team is just a middle of the road team. Now you heard me earlier talk about Hoser, <laughs> and, and I thought that that was uh I, I and I and I I do think like I just I felt like Lopez does not belong you know, on the floor with these guys, but you know that's just my opinion. I'm sure he knows his team more than I I do, but it does seem like from game one that he wasn't going to fit very well, and and I wouldn't put him. I would just put him on the floor when Claxton's out there. So I try to be as consistent as I can. I'm really sorry. Odyssey <laughs> NBA insider Brian Scalabrini. Scal, thanks so much. Enjoy tonight's two games uh, and the rest of the playoffs. All right. You got it. See ya. There's Scal. Good stuff there. Um, I it's interesting what he said about the Clippers as a possibility of coming back and winning. Now he believes the Jazz blow them out. So if that happens, I will be taking a look at that Clippers series number because it's almost plus 300. Now, what's it going to be tomorrow if they're down three games to two after a blowout by Utah and you don't know the status of Kawhi? That could, well, that could be something to look at. Yeah, yeah it's probably something you want to get in on fairly quickly. You know, we hey, we were talking about, and maybe we should address this in the next segment before we get the lightning bets, but um, Ryan Spader, oh my gosh. Friend of the show, yeah. Friend yeah. of the show. There's a lot there, so yeah, we, we there need is. a few more minutes. Uh, your question about Stan Van, yeah. my first thought, Zion doesn't like him, <laughs> right? Well, that's it. Isn't it? Yeah, your star doesn't like a guy, then you got to move on from him. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like there's a balance there. I don't. Sometimes you, I feel like you need to tell the player, look, figure this out, and then other times you realize that player is far more valuable than the coach will ever be. So let him have what he wants. I could have told you one year ago that was a stupid hire. I like yeah. Stan Van, but that ain't gonna work. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe get a younger uh, they, coach. Yeah, exactly. Or Come somebody on. who understands younger players. Lightning bets are next on the BetQL Network.